Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Friday. Royce White uh, back with us today in studio. Round of applause uh, for Royce White. It's just me, you, and Royce White today. We're going to talk a little bit about the big three and what's going on with Ice Cube, what was going on with Royce, with the Trump one on the side of his head. Draymond Green had some nice things to say about Royce. Going to keep today's show tight and focused on just me and Royce talking. Get your thesauruses out. Get your dictionaries out. Royce is here. We never know where he'll go uh, in these conversations. Royce, I want to take care of just a tiny bit of business before we get to you to just kind of open up some space uh, for our conversation by telling you guys about our great friends and my great phone company, Patriot Mobile. Every day, the parallel economy grows bigger and bigger. It's powered by everyday Americans who are sick and tired of all the woke propaganda being jammed into every product they consume. Big mobile, big mobile companies are no different. <clears throat> For years, they've been dumping millions into the leftist causes and we had to take it because you need a cell phone and probably thought there was no alternative, but there is. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider offering dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you get the best possible service in your area without the woke politics. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responders, all heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your phone, keep your number two. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Jason. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. Get the same dependable service and take a stand for your values. Make the switch today. Patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 878-PATRIOT. All right, Royce White, uh, back in studio with us. Uh, Royce, I, I just want to start here, maybe not talking about so much about yourself, but about the atmosphere, culture, what's going on with the big three and Ice Cube talking about, you know, wanting to go past the gatekeepers and have a conversation and... Uh, he did an interview with Joe Rogan where he said a few things. Uh, you know, there's been some blowback towards Ice Cube as well. He seen him sparring with people over Twitter and whatnot. What's, I saw RFK at a big three basketball game, I believe, in New York. 
What, what's, what's going on with Ice Cube? I think, I think Ice Cube has just drawn one of the most important lines in the sand in, in recent American history, if not all of American history. Ice Cube Ice has Cube. done... Ice Cube, the, the O'Shea Jackson. O'Shea, <laughs> O'Shea just drew... How? He just drew one of the most important lines in the sand in American history. And here, I'll say this, the big three is growing. The big three is, is moving in the right direction. Um, every, every game, every, every season, it continues to have more and more engagement. Um, I think COVID did a big toll on, on the, uh, the league in 2021 when we weren't able to have a season. Uh, when you start off not having a season could kill you. That's just, uh, anybody knows that. Um, but, but people, everybody who comes, they love the environment and they, they're entertained and they have fun. And, and the, the audience continues to grow on CBS. Uh, so, so everything is good when it comes to the league from a, from a basketball standpoint. Uh, it's going to continue to have younger and younger players. It's going to continue to have more and more players that, that start to move away from the NBA because that age will start to drop as well. Uh, like Ice Cube said earlier in the summer, was looking at DeMarcus Cousins, Isaiah Thomas, some other guys who can still play. Um, so the basketball part is fine. But what sports represents, what basketball represents, is what this show is all about. It's what you represent, the collision, the convergence of sports and politics. The convergence of sports and politics in America has never been more unrecognized or more important than right now. And the reason is because professional sports is one of the dominant cultural symbols of black America. And it's one of the, the dominant, um, one of the dominant cultural guides of black America. And black America, by and large, is, is the narrative upon which this entire New World Order scam is, is laid on top of. So for Ice Cube to talk about gatekeepers and use his professional basketball league, even though it's three on three, uh, use his professional three on three basketball league to talk about gatekeepers is one of the most significant moments in recent American history. He's talking about gatekeepers without saying who they are. Is, does he need to clarify? Does, does that message well, I don't know if he, resonate? Look, look, I don't know if he knows who they are. I mean, we, we're under the assumption that your average American citizen, I think, sees an ice cube. They see a success. They see a success in Hollywood. They see a success in the music business. Now he's having success being a, a professional sports league owner. Uh, he's, he's a very accomplished individual. But I think the whole point of what he was saying is I'm not in the club. Well, if you're not in the club, then you don't know who's running the club. You may know some people who would seem like they have some power and juice in the club, but that doesn't mean, necessarily mean they're the shot callers. They just may be managers. Um, so I'm sure he knows some people who have juice, but I don't think Ice Cube knows who the puppeteers are. He understands that there are puppeteers and he can tell from his own experience, both personally and now as a league owner. So when I heard him say this, there are people who would think, hey, Ice Cube, you may not be uh, on the A-list of gatekeepers, but you're a gatekeeper. No. 
those people don't understand what, what, what gatekeeper means. Those are the kind of people who think building seven fell from heat. <laughs> no, he's not a gatekeeper. I mean, he, Ice Cube is somebody who's rendered service, and he's rendered service well. He's created a great music. He's created great movies. He had a talent that the mainstream media industrial complex could profit from. And under that, under that auspice, he was allowed into certain rooms. He was allowed into certain places. He's not a shot caller. He's never been a shot caller. He's always been independent. Ice Cube's one of the more independent A-listers. As far as A-listers goes, he's one of the more independent A-listers in recent media history. So he doesn't really, no, nah, he's, he, you know, I know what people are saying, but when, we're, when what he's talking about and what we need to be talking about right now at this moment in American history, CIA, Mossad, <clears throat> CIA, Mossad, okay, Chinese intelligence, high, high up the trough, people who really run the world. <coughs> Epstein was a gatekeeper. Jeffrey Epstein was a gatekeeper. Ice he Cuba. was a tool of the gatekeeper. No, he was a, he was a gatekeeper. You know, Epstein, I think, was a gatekeeper himself. But that's how the intelligence community works. I don't mean to go off into conspiracy. No, no, you're not going off in conspiracy. What I'm saying is when you look at what Ice Cube is engaged with every single day throughout his career, it, it doesn't it doesn't glow to me. On face value, it doesn't glow to me. He was he made a movie about the barbershop, black culture. He made a movie about being in the neighborhood with whether it was Boys in the Hood or Friday. He made great, a great couple of movies, uh, Are We Done Yet, about family and about a black man accepting a black woman who had other kids, okay, taking care of them like his own. And then he got off into some more roles with Ride Along and some more, you know, blockbuster stuff that he's done lately. But none of that has, it doesn't glow. And so, you know, there are people who are put in front of us that have a high position but have never been let into the, the, the table of power. And I think that's what Ice Cube is admitting. He's saying, look, guys, I'm not in. I'm not in the Michael Rubin white party uh, uh, sort of association. Now, there's some A-listers in there who will end up having some significant power way up the trough because they'll keep paying in to the narrative. Here's what I would call like low-level gatekeepers. They're tools that are being used by the actual gatekeepers to keep people in their proper lanes. And so when I look at all the hip-hop artists, and particularly all the commercial hip-hop artists, they're gatekeepers. They're there to define blackness as debaucherous and culture as fun, cool culture as debaucherous and depraved. Yeah. And 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 so I, I just I've never seen Ice Cube buck up against that or make room for people that aren't that way. Well, I think you got to look at the fine, the fine print there, because what was the main story in Friday? What was the main narrative in Friday? You're it testing that? my memory. I've seen it, but the main I narrative in Friday was that Craig was a young man who was trying to find his way in life in his 20s and was peer pressured by all the elements of the neighborhood. And one of those elements was carrying a gun. And one of those elements was the rise in crime and the, 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 the transition from fistfights to the use of the gun. And the father, the black father who was in the home telling him, 
that despite what's going on out there in the streets, remember that it's not a gun that makes you a man. It's who you are that makes you a man. That was very anti-hip-hop. It was very anti-what we see today. And it, it, does, it goes unsung, but it, it, it resonates with me because I was a young kid growing up in the 90s and remember how the, the cultural significance of Friday now. Being who I am, I may have taken it a different way than many of the young black men out there across the country. But I have seen Ice Cube make attempts to buck up against what is, what is the culture that's, that, the, the, the dark part of the culture that's come from hip hop. And he certainly hasn't bowed to the LGBTQ or the, the newer, even more recent satanic turn of the- Hasn't bowed, hasn't bowed, but, but I watched the video and I was like, oh, this is interesting. The video he put out saying blah. And then when he went to Joe Rogan, I was like, well, that ain't gonna go, that conversation is only gonna go so far because J Joe Rogan doesn't even know the right buttons to push. Well, yeah, true. And look, Q, one thing I can say about Q, and I, I'm not, I, this ain't a, hopefully this ain't a show for me to do on a Defend Cube tour. I'm not, I'm not on the back end of the F the Gatekeepers tour for Cube. Um, I love him. I love him like family. We're part of the Big Three family and I got his back and I'm loyal. One of the things that I'll say about Cube, and if anybody knows Cube away from the screen, he's not some animated guy. He's just not. I mean, he's a very soft-spoken, quiet, uh, 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 you know, thoughtful about when he speaks. He, I mean, he barely even speaks. He's just not the guy who you see on camera. So for him to go on this tour, uh, it's going to be an adjustment period for him. And he's going to have to decide how much of the house he's really ready to burn down. And that's only a decision that he can make, and I can support him and be on his six as much as possible. But I, I watched the Rogan podcast as well, and I didn't think there was anything, I don't think it did necessarily what he promoted the F the Gatekeepers yes. tour as. Uh, but that's an adjustment period, because that's just not who he is. And honestly, to be, and again, to be honest, what could he say that we don't all already know? The CIA killed our president. Well, I mean, how much more blatant? I mean, what could he say? Here are their names. We know their names. Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Bill and Melinda Gates, Epstein. I mean, McCarthy, McConnell, the Koch brothers. We, Elon Musk, we know their names. The Rothschilds, the, the, the De Beers, the, the, the Rockefellers, uh, you know, the, the, the Carnegies. And so... We know the names. And, and I believe... When I watched the F the Gatekeepers, I thought not that he was going to be an expert on any of that. Yeah. I thought he was going to go find a place where he could have that conversation because I think he knows as much as I know. Yeah. And because I, I think he's fascinated by this. I think he's had conversations with Louis Farrakhan about all of this. And so I wasn't expecting him to go somewhere and be the authority on this. Yeah. I expected him to be someone just no different than I'll watch some interesting documentary and call you and say, have you seen this? You should watch this. And then we'll talk about it and blah, blah, blah. I, I think I called just like, man, what you know about the Freemasons yeah. and the history of Freemasons and th that, that I'm expecting or thought 
he would get in that conversation, it's no different than, again, I'm about to take you down that path. Yeah. Now we can leave Ice Cube alone. And, and just like some of the things that I've been watching and reading about <clears throat> it, it, that, that I've wanted to talk with you in, in detail about or just have some level of conversation about was just, when I think of the gatekeepers, I think of secret societies, yeah. Freemasons, at the heart of this secret society, and that's a colorless thing. Freemasons come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Well, no. They do. No, they don't. My grandfather was a Freemason. No, he was a Prince Hall Mason. Not the same, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, he, secret society, he was 32nd degree Mason. Yeah, but, you know, I, not to cut, keep going. No, 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 I don't mind being corrected. No, no, I just, I just, I just think that, you know, again, we've, racism has been used as such a cudgel on, on the modern American mind, and it's become so warped that we forget that there was genuine racism. And the actual genuine racism is right there in the secret societies that still run us today. And there's a reason why the Freemasons created an entire separate group that the blacks could join and all these grandstanding black bourgeoisie sellouts still walk around like the highest calling would be for them to be accepted into this secret group. And they're still calling you nothing but house Negroes, right out in the, in the public. Not doing it behind closed doors like they would do Ice Cube. They're doing it right out there on the street. Here's the Mason group for you Negroes. You could never be a part of this crown-based Mason scam. But go ahead. No, look, I my like... My grandfather was a Prince Hall Mason, too. And he died before we had a chance to have this conversation. He was gonna... He was, uh, you know, thinking about, um, you know, proposing me. Um, and and I, he never got around to that. He died of cancer before that would happen. Um, so, but but I, I know a bunch of Prince Hall Masons, and I just sit there sometimes and wonder, how did you guys accept being brought into a second class? I'm gonna tell you why, Royce. Take my great-grandfather who was likely a Prince Hall Mason or whatever, but being a Mason stopped him from being lynched. They carried him out to the tree to lynch him. He gave him the Mason signal, and they didn't kill him. Well, listen. And, and that's why a lot... Moral hazard, moral hazard in the history of this nation and the history of our community, black people, had ramifications beyond the local. And some people should have chose to die before they accepted induction into a satanic cult. The, no question. That's easy to say, though. I get it. Living in 2023, as you take my great grandfather living in the early 1900s, and your best friend may have been lynched, or they, they may have, you know, when you're out at that lynching tree, and the only thing between you and death is some kind of little secret signal or handshake or some, I think they said it was the way he stood or something, let him know that he was a Mason yeah. and they didn't kill him. That And so a lot of people, they say that's where a lot of, why a lot of black people join the Masons, particularly it's, in the South, it's not, is a it's safety not, issue. It's not true. It's, it's not true. You know, the Masons, the Masons have, a, have a propaganda machine. They run the propaganda machine. So the whole Freemason propaganda is that we fought against slavery. No, they didn't. They were the progenitors of slavery. They were the progenitors of the entire eugenics movement. Who was Sir Galton? Who were these people? When I talk about the crown, a lot of people go, oh, you're talking about the crown. It's like, just know where the stuff comes from. Sir Galton was, was instituted by the crown to, to take Darwinism, 
and, and basically modify it and turn it into what is now known as the social Darwinist theory. And the social Darwinist theory was taken around the universities, even way back then, uh, to, to justify racism. And so, you know, what, what, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a Republican Party. What the Republicans are doing at the grassroots level is different than what the Republicans are doing at the RNC. So I'm not saying there's not some group of Freemasons that were uh, abolitionists, but the Freemasons as a, as, a, as a movement is completely satanic and by, by default, deeply, deeply eugenicist. So let me be clear to anyone listening, watching at home. Nothing I'm saying is a defense of masonry. Right, right. Nothing. I think the whole thing, I think all these secret societies, and, and I say this respectfully to, to guys that are like brothers to me, that I love to death, that are part of these Greek secret societies. Yeah. I think the whole thing is satanic. The whole thing, it, it, and I don't think they're aware of it. No, they're not. And, and so I'm not trying to disparage them, but this whole little secret society thing, when you start trying to figure out why we have so much chaos in the world and, and, and all of this sexual perversion yeah. that is at the root of this. And, 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 you know, it's like, why do these masons wear aprons over their penises? And all? it's all sexual perversion. And, 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 you know, I started, when I started going down the rabbit hole of Prescott Bush and Skull and Bones. Masons? And, yeah. Nazis. Yeah, and, and like Skull and Bones, this Yale thing that John Kerry, and they don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat, both the Bushes that were presidents, they're, they're, in order to get in them groups, they're getting in coffins naked, masturbating, and getting their anuses stimulated, sodomized. What, that's what you have to do to get it. And we wonder why the LGBTQ seem to have so much power in this country. Everybody has, has had a bone buried in their skull. <laughs> I mean, for, first off, you got to be a weird, sick kind of a, a dude to be able to jerk off in a coffin anyway. But again, I say we live in a jerk off society, right? Yeah. Okay. Look, I'm not saying anything about all Masons. I know there are a lot of people who join the Masons for a number of variety of reasons. Mostly, it's seen as a, a symbol of... Um, professional and, and economic um, growth, right? And it, it's a part of this whole capitalist scam that says, you know, you're only as good as your network. It's not about what you know, it's who you know, right? The whole who you know mantra of, of American society lends itself to secret societies. And so a lot of people are walking around at the behest of secret societies and don't even really know it. And then there are some idiots out there who really believe that uh, when they walk into the Mayo Clinic, that it's a bastion of, of, of human well-being. You just took a shot at the Mayo Clinic. You gotta clarify that. Or... Well, I'm not taking a shot at Mayo per se. I'm not saying there aren't great doctors there or that, or that they don't save lives or any of that. What I'm saying is that the net, the net modus operandi of the entire medical industrial complex is to create uh, the opposite of human well-being and then to be able to benefit off of profit when it can, but ultimately control society. And I know that because my great uncle was a 33rd degree Mason, Alfred Aury, 
who was a Quaker, who was an immigrant from Norway, and his office was in the Masonic Lodge in Minneapolis. He was the dean of the dentistry school at the University of Minnesota. And then he was ousted there because he wanted to revolutionize universal health care and he wanted to include dental care. He said, you can't have a, a comprehensive health if your mouth isn't clean. Uh, so he wanted to bring that practice into the scope of full medicine. Uh, and he took a lot of backlash from that, from dentists who wanted to keep it private so they could price gouge the American people. And, and uh, the other medical community who wanted to keep him sort of out of their hair. Um, so when he was ousted, he ended up finishing his school, his, uh, his career as the dean at Columbia. I mean, Columbia is the bastion of New World Order. And that was my great uncle. And I'm proud of, of, of his legacy and the work he's done. But every day I start to question it as I see how these societies roll out these plans. And I can't help but think he may have been involved in it. If, uh, yeah, there's people, if he's 33rd degree, you don't know exactly what he was doing. Well, but the question is now, are there some, are there some people at the 33rd degree level that are there to do recon reconnaissance? Is there a war and a pendulum going both ways? Are there people who make it there that are still honorable, who are, who are, who want to defeat it from within inside? We don't know these things. Everything's up on the bar right now. I mean, and I don't want to get too far off into la-la land here, but look, Kennedy was probably a Mason. Yes, who began to speak out against secret societies Absolutely. right before he got killed. And I'm a Christian, so we must believe in repentance. I hope all of those people who are at that 33rd degree level will, um, will repent and fight back against the, the, the Satanism that they see. You know, they say Lincoln was not a Mason. They also say that he was black. I'll say that he was a Jew. Yeah, but, and, and they say that Lincoln wasn't a Mason and that Kennedy spoke out against secret societies and perhaps regretted being a Mason. And it, it's interesting. It, it, Kennedy and Lincoln, what do they have in common? And you know who was a Mason? John Wilkes Booth. Wars from within, you know, wars from within. I mean, you know, so it, it, when you get to that level, and I, I only brought my uncle up to say this. My, and you asked me about Mayo, right? And I said, mm -hmm. I made a comment about Mayo. My uncle was friends with Dr. Mayo. You can go back and read the minutes of him and Mayo talking at medical conferences in Rochester back in the early 1900s. And they had disagreements. So you have cults and then you have factions within cults that go to war with each other. Kind of like you're seeing on the world stage right now between ourselves and Russia and the Ukraine. These are global sort of secret societies that have interests and sometimes they clash. And so, and I'm sorry, I'm just down this rabbit hole. It's fascinating because I have wanted to talk to you about this. Have, did you know that the way that Washington DC is laid out geographically and everything, it's all consistent with Masonic principles. Yeah. And, and that, you know, it blew my mind because, you know, we have this authentic Christian founding, but people are saying that like, you know, our documents are influenced by Christian beliefs, but the way Country's buildings and disease, <laughs> the way our symbols, yeah. And all the things that we put in place are Masonic. And so we had basically two competing foundings. 
Constitution, Declaration of Independence, they, those were biblical Christian foundings, the, the ideas that we're gonna base the country on, but the planning and the design of the country and all of our symbols, all these buildings are consistent with Masonic principles and it, it feels like the symbols and the way that society is organized and designed perhaps is winning. And, and, and the Masonic people wanna throw out the written stuff. <laughs> they wanna redo the Constitution and make it more consistent with the way we've designed. It, it was just a means to an end for them. I mean, it's hard for people to understand somebody who can plan that far out ahead because most people don't plan that far ahead. And even if they can make a plan, put it on paper, the execution and the follow through and the commitment isn't there. These people are extremely committed. And because they're extremely committed, they're extremely dangerous. They're extremely, extremely committed and extremely dangerous. And, and so, you know, using Christianity as a thin veil of, of a foundation for this, for this country um, is, is well within the scope of, of what they're capable of. Um, and, but, but God has a plan too. And God snuck, you know, I don't wanna say he snuck himself in, that's kind of a heresy in of itself, but, but you know, easier for a, a, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven, right? Um, God making its way into our constitution and, and, and America becoming a, um, uh, a bastion of freedom and then as thus a bastion of, of basic human rights or, or God-given human rights isn't by accident either, in my opinion. So yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a satanic country. People say this is a Christian country, they don't know the foundations of the country. This is a satanic country that had God on a Trojan horse and God's been fighting to, to, to become, um, fighting the same fight he's always been fighting, or, or, or Christ has always been fighting. Uh, and it's against the will of man, and for us to choose God, and for us to choose Christ. It's no different with America. People caught up in that, I'm a nationalist populist, I'm America to boot. I love the flag, I got a flag in my back pocket, right? Not really, but, you know, metaphorically speaking. Um, but I'm under no false auspices about, about what the nation means relative to the order of God. So I'm going to try to lighten up the conversation between me and Royce. Can't blame Royce for any of that. I drug him down that path because that's what I want to do. But I'm going to flip back to some big three. And Draymond Green had some nice things to say about Royce. I want to hear his thoughts on that. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys about easily uh, all of my live reads are authentic. But liver health formula? Couldn't be more authentic. I've told you guys multiple times, I started taking liver health formula two months ago to fight my fatty liver. Uh, and then they jumped on board, on board as a sponsor. It's awesome. You must start taking care of your liver now more than ever. Why? Because the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. The American Liver Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means many people are at risk. We throw everything at our livers, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have a sluggish fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. For decades now, your liver helped you with over 500 key functions every day. It's time to help your liver. 
There is a solution, liver health formula, an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver, manufactured right here in the US of A and approved by the American doctors. So if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy and transform how you look and feel, try liver health formula and receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce sugar cravings when you order today. That's try liver health formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash Jason and claim your free bonus gift. That's getliverhelp.com slash Jason. Hopefully you guys have been watching over the last six weeks. I've been back in my normal routine, my great routine. I'm slimming down. For yesterday, uh, my, my resting heart rate, I was very pleased. I got it down to 70, and it normally hovers in the 80s. But because of my workouts and taking care of myself, I got it down to 70. Uh, anyway, liver help formula has been a big part of my routine for the past two years. You should make it a part of yours. Now I'm gonna circle back to Royce and try to lighten up the conversation. Let's watch Draymond Green talk about uh, Morpheus here as a basketball player. Uh, another one that really pissed me off, <laughs> and this one didn't piss me off because I was a better basketball player than him, because he was nice. Royce White. Royce White was super nice, mm -hmm. and we super did all talented. of the same things. Like Royce, you know, he was more athletic than me, and Royce had big ass hands. Yeah. And super talented. But like also another comparison. Yeah. And so the reason Royce White pissed me off and, and, and getting drafted way before me is not because he wasn't a good basketball player, because I actually believe if he didn't um if he didn't go through the stuff with the mental health that he did, mm -hmm. I think he'd still be dominant in the NBA today. Mm -hmm. But it pissed me off because it's like, all right, we're very similar and, and all of our workouts we worked out against each other. Mm -hmm. And like there were some where I destroyed him. Mm -hmm. But I also remember a couple that he destroyed me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, all right, well, we're very similar. So if he's the 16th pick, I'm 35? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And I know that there's teams throughout Ow. the rest of these 19 picks in between or 18 picks in between. He was either 16 or 18 because Houston and Terrence, him and Terrence Jones, 16 yeah. or 18, Houston had both. And so I'm like, all right, well, one of these teams in between, y'all see a similar, so like maybe they'll draft me. Like none of them draft. So that's why Royce White pisses me off because I thought we were very, very similar and we worked out against each other a lot. Yeah. Sometimes he got the best of me. Sometimes I got the best of him. But I'm like, we're really similar. If he's 16, I can't be 35. Right. Right. So that was one that pissed me off, but for totally different reason. All right, so Draymond Green's going to probably end up in the Naismith or the Basketball Hall of Fame. Sure. Uh, he's comparing himself to Royce White. How did that uh, make you feel? Um, it's, it, it, it felt good. You know, I, I'd be lying if I, if I said that um, I, I don't still hold huge – uh, you know, emotion about not being able to play at the highest level. And it's why the Ice Cube thing is so personal to me because I'm one of the victims, for lack of a better term, of that sort of gatekeeping cartel. Uh, and not just necessarily the NBA, but the broader as well. And, and so 
one of the one of the one of the stark things that you can see in a person like that's in position like mine is how powerful the narrative actually is. There are actually people out there who believe that I couldn't that I wasn't good enough to play in the NBA. Even though an uh, NBA Hall of Famer and all-time player in his position tells you that I would be dominant. He didn't just say that I could still play today. He said I'd be dominant today because I'm a little bit better than he was. And, and, he, and I love Draymond. Midwest kid. He's from Michigan. I, we came up together. I told you that before. Um, and, and I love his mentality. I love his passion. I love how he does the little things. A lot of young players should watch Draymond and try and emulate that because you're not all going to be Devin Booker or Jamal Murray or Jokic. You got to be able to embrace doing the small things for the team to win. And there's a great lesson in that for people outside of sports. So I appreciate Draymond, but I think I was a little bit better. I think I had a little bit of a different ceiling. I had a little more shake to my game. Um, now maybe I wouldn't have played on a three-time world champion team, but personally, stat-wise, I could have probably done, done a little bit more. Hard to say, all that's hard to say. But I appreciate it because there'll be kids who will Google my name and the first thing they'll see is a Wikipedia that was written by the gatekeepers that Ice Cube's talking about, authoritative sources. And they'll tell you that I'm a bust, much like Kwame Brown. Although I was better than Kwame Brown too, but neither here nor there. That's what it'll say. So if people like him don't take the time and, and take the risk to say something like that, then the history, you can see how the history is actually uh, askewed. So, you know, I appreciate it and my family appreciates it. My son appreciates it, right? My son as a young up-and-coming basketball player who has to probably constantly deal with uh, young people who have access to the internet now, uh, saying things about his father from a basketball standpoint or whatever else, um, to have somebody like Draymond Green say that means a lot. I, I don't know where I saw this or had this conversation. My memory's fuzzy, but it's been in the past week or two. Uh, and it was a conversation about Maybe it was on this show. I, I just can't remember. But it was a conversation about legacy mm-hmm. and that legacy, we value it, but it's really unimportant. And I, I wish I could remember where I heard this conversation or who I engaged in this conversation with, but, but I just can't. And, and, and I can remember being in the conversation or watching the conversation and thinking about and applying it to myself because I have similar feelings. And I saw how you reacted to Draymond and I recognized immediately why it was important. You know, there's a lot of stuff written and said about you and and people, I see people over Twitter, you know, you, you never scored in the NBA and all this other stuff. And you're sitting there and you like know the real and it feels good when someone like of accomplishment knows. And I don't have the same thing because, you know, I've got receipts that they screwed up and gave me when they didn't fully know who I was. But once they figured out who I was, they've tried to basically erase the receipts. And and so I know that feeling of like, like, and I say this and I want to be crystal clear. God blessed me with a gift in this sports writing thing, and I'm so appreciative, and it's really not me, but I know like what I did and do as a sports writer is like, I'm the best. I, uh, you know, 
You put me for what what I what nobody ever coming out of a town like Kansas City, you had to be in New York or LA mm -hmm. to get the kind of reputation that I had and to have that the impact that I you had to be in a major city, Chicago, somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Or ride some great team. You know, the Chiefs when I was they didn't win nothing, the Royals didn't win anything, and blah. So I have a little bit of that in me as well. Like, man, I ain't gonna never get the, but anyway, I'm just, what, what do you, is legacy, and for you, I think it's even even more important, at least I don't have kids. Yeah. And so I could kind of care less what they say about me and what my legacy is. My legacy will be, you know, hopefully, that I help people that I loved, and that'll be the end of it. Oh, there's two, there's two ways to look at it. One is legacy is more maybe of the ego. So I see what you're saying. Ultimately, do you love God, right? Are all things pointed to his glory? And in that case, none of us really have a legacy. All of our legacy is his. But at the same time, legacy is a, a mechanism of history. And so that's the reason why it's really important is because it's become very easy. And as technology grows, it'll become even more easy to rewrite and erase history. Um, and that, that does have a ramification. Let me give let me give you an even better point that you instinctively you know, but you're just not articulating it. Your legacy is a foundation for your son to stand on and to grow his legs stronger. My daddy was great. I better be great. I better I don't want to dishonor the greatness of the man that gave me my name and and some kids can't, if, if legacy can be used properly to motivate your kids. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's why, parent, I mean, parenting, I think, you know, there's two sides of the coin. Yeah, parenting has become hijacked. Obviously, in our country, parenting has become a, a, a sort of a lunacy type of deal, especially with the liberals and just letting the public schools, you know, tell your kid to cut their penis off or vaccinate them or put them on uh, psychiatric medication without any understanding or just, just teaching them anything about life. We just gave the state our kids and said, have your way with them, which is completely uh, heretical and against God. But, but so parenting, you can overdo parenting, but, but there's value to parenting. I mean, there's basic, scientific, natural, foundations and value to parenting. And I think that's a lot of what it is. Your, your parents set an example for you. And now you're gonna have kids that see that example, see a good example and decide to be, you know, F ups anyway. And that happens all the time. That's why I don't get caught up in young men. If you don't have a dad, then you have an excuse to be an, an, an asshole. No, you don't. Because there are kids who had two parents who were great parents. And, and some kids just wanna, you know, bite the rotten apple. Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, I, I, str I, I live in that divide of still being involved in sports, but understanding what sports has become as an institution. Sports has become the tip of the spear for new world order. Why? Because sports is the new religion. And it is a religion. It is a fanaticized religion. To some athletes, financial benefit, sometimes. As a net, not even scratching the surface. When you can sign a one point, when you could say that we lost $1.6 billion in a, in, a, in a bill for the Ukraine, 
getting a $230 million contract over five years isn't even scratching the surface in terms of the money scam that's going on. So we think we're getting rich, but really we're just managing other people's money. We're managing our little corner of the plantation. Um, but, but for me, I've lived in the divide of still being involved in sports and youth sports. And I want the young athletes to be able to find nuggets like that and see the truth from other athletes who have, who have gotten far. That's important. And, and, I, and I would pray that a LeBron James and even bigger athletes than Draymond find the courage to speak the truth for these young athletes and these young people who are influenced by sports. It, it's, I was sitting here thinking about that legacy point because it literally just came to me in terms of when, when I think of my dad and, and, and I'm just thinking about legacy again, my, my dad, what I take from my dad, the biggest thing was that I never, ever, ever saw my dad lose control of his emotions. Mm. I'm sure he probably did at some point, but I never saw it. And uh, I never saw him mistreat anyone. And I'm sure he did that because my mother will testify. Uh, <laughs> and, but I never saw it. Mm. And so it's one of the things that I take a lot of satisfaction in is like, oh, I ain't gonna lose control. I'm not, and, and again, my father owned a bar and so he drank, and, and, but I never saw him lose control. I don't drink that much. And, but I'd never, I never, I've never just like snapped, I mean, when I was a kid and young or young, dumb, aptly, but as an adult out here in the world, could care less what anybody said. I'm not going to lose control of myself. And so what I, I, th I think that's my dad's most powerful legacy. He was a smart guy, and, uh, you know, th there's other parts of his legacy that I pursued that were, were stupid. Uh, <laughs> but, and so, but I, I've grown out of those things. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 legacy, that type of legacy is important, and particularly now in this world where people are Googled and searched, and, and, and you know, I, I, I certainly wouldn't want people walking around if it was my sons and they'd punch me in the Google, my, your dad was a bust and he was nuts and that's why blah, blah, blah. It, it's... Well, my, my, you know, my, my, son, my son knows the truth and, and what, what's inspiring is what the parallel economy, as you called it, um, in the, in the, earlier, but, but what the entire American nationalist populist movement, the MAGA movement is doing right now, it's really starting to crack the mold or the hold that the mainstream media industrial complex has on the American mind. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of. When you see me write Trump one on the side of my head and you'll have, you know, nine out of 10 pink haired liberal white women say this guy's a misogynist or a coon but then you have people who come up to me in person when my son is there and say, thank you for what you're doing for the country. We're getting somewhere. And that's How did the other big three players respond to that? Oh, they, they support me. I mean, they, you know, I can't, I won't, none of, them, none of them said anything against it at all. In fact, some of them looked and they gave me that nod like, yeah, yeah, 100%. One of the things I think when I look at Ice Cube, yourself. You saw it in the back. 
because out of respect, because I know what Cube's doing, and, and I respect what Cube's doing, and you have to be able to follow if you're going to lead. So out of respect, I wouldn't normally do this, even with Cube. I love him to death, family. I'd, take, I'd go into the fire, gunfire with him any, any day. That's how comrades are supposed to behave. That's part of having that sacred honor, right? But I wouldn't normally go and ask him if it was okay to write something on my head. And I didn't really ask him if it was okay, like I was going to wipe it off. But I just checked with him. I just wanted to check and see where he was at with it. And so he was walking by my locker room in the back, and I had just gotten it written on my head. And I tapped him. I said, it's good? We good? He just laughed. He, he just chuckled. And he kept walking. See, I think that most black men, and, and I'll say this, because someone very close to me, I'm not gonna put them out there, but someone very close to me that I think of as the average stereotypical black man is, is now in a spot where he can be in a hunt for truth and uh, he's, he's reading Thomas Sowell. Yeah. And he's blown away by it, calling me, sharing it with family members, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And his, Total existence is black, wife, kids, family, blah, blah, blah. But, but, and I look at it and I see his passion for it and his being like, oh man, this dude is great. How come blah, 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 blah. It's, it's an indication to me, like, particularly with black dudes. Yes. We're waking up. We know this other thing is completely bogus. How, you know, and when I look at it, and I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing, I see people come up to me all the time. And all the black black Twitter, and I see both sides. Black Twitter, Jason Whitlock's this, Jason Whitlock's this, da, da, da. all the black people I see in person that walk up to me, that take the time out of their day to walk up and make contact. Common theme, love fearless. Love Jason Whitlock. Love when you're on Whitlock. I watch it all the time. When are you going back on Whitlock? So on and so forth. But But to see it is like, I just think to myself, Wow, how good these Darwinists and these Satanists must have been to run this scam on us as long as they have. And I got to check myself and realize time is bigger than my lifespan or 60 years, 100 years. We're talking about a game that Satan's been playing for, for, for all of, of, of history. So people are waking up. And, and as they wake up, hopefully they find shows like yours. Hopefully they follow people like Ice Cube or they support people like Ice Cube. And hopefully I can, you know, whether it's writing something on the side of my head, to question the integrity of the security of elections or the Federal Reserve or, or any num number of other things, hopefully it just adds to the, the groundswell. And you asked me earlier, you asked me, is it too late? Right? We talked about, is it too late? We're only one generation away. The, the greatest Marxist scam is to take generations and brainwash generations at a young age. It would only take one generation. It would only take one real president and one real round of leadership and one real change of, of, of formative education in a generation to fortify this, this country the way it needs to be. That's Royce White. He's headed to Memphis to play a little basketball in the big three. Enjoy Memphis. Uh, enjoy the barbecue. Enjoy the jazz. Enjoy the music. Don't get shot. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow. No balconies. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter.